The New York Giants are still standing, and they are going to the divisional round of the NFL playoffs. They're going to be in Philadelphia next weekend, Saturday or Sunday, we don't know the date yet, to face the Philadelphia Eagles, our NFC East rivals, and the champions of the NFC. But that doesn't even matter now, because you know what? The Giants, they got their revenge. And they didn't get their revenge in no regular season game against the Minnesota Vikings on no goddamn game-winning field goal right? No Graham Gano game winning. No, no, no. It was a decisive victory in Minnesota's home stadium and their fans can go do skull chants elsewhere. Alex, we're here. And I said on the preview podcast that we made giant take history. Why? Because it was our first playoff preview ever in our podcast history. Well, here's our first, we're making giant take history again. Here's our first playoff Recap episode and playoff victory recap episode in Giant Take Podcast History. My name is Josh. Alex, my co-host, my friend. We are teenager guests. We haven't had a long life as many other Giants fans have. But in the time span that we have been New York Giants fans, it has been a painful watch and a painful following for this team for the last decade since they won a Super Bowl back in 2012, but it was the season of 2011. We watched an Odell Beckham-driven team with Eli Manning in his older years take the team to one, one playoff game that I remembered before this one today. They got absolutely crushed by the Green Bay Packers, but this one, this one was different, complete different energy with a new coaching staff, a new head coach, a new offensive coordinator, a new defensive coordinator, a new GM, and a new-looking team. How are you, sir? Today was an amazing day. Um, You know, the last time I witnessed the Giants win a playoff game, I was in first grade, um, you know, not even sure, you know, how what a penalty was. I just thought they were doing that for fun. I thought Mario Manningham and Eli Manning were brothers. I had no idea. That was the last time I saw the Giants win a playoff game. Um, and, you know, Alex, it really seemed like the refs in this game actually were still reminiscing on your first grade years. I think really so. Didn't yeah, seem they like they just... knew what a penalty was either with Dexter Lawrence and all of that stuff. And Kayvon yeah, Thibodeau. No we'll but get into all of it, but continue. Maybe I was right all along, but to see my Giants finally, finally return to the playoffs. 2016, to be honest, doesn't even count. It was such a painful ending against the Packers. I just, like, shove it to the side. I don't think about it. To see the Giants finally back in the playoffs, finally doing something meaningful, playing meaningful football late in the year with a new regime, no more, you know, no longer having Eli Manning on this team, no longer having that leadership, building around Daniel Jones, a player that people doubted for years and years, including myself, including Josh, including 95% of the fan base besides the, you know, 5% or so that I'd say were always Daniel Jones fans. Um, But for the majority, he was six overall pick and no one was happy. Um, 
that he was taken there, and he showed up in this big game over 300 yards, uh, passing 70 yards plus rushing, two touchdowns, uh, and then just overall game control um, from Daniel Jones, a true leader, and then Saquon Barkley over 100 yards on both the on both the ground and receiving. Those two guys, they've been the key points of this season, key players for the Giants, both uncertain uh, if they were going to be sticking around, uh, you know, going past this season. Now it looks almost certain that those guys will be sticking around and being key pieces for the Giants in the future. Um, and then, you know, just this whole team, this coaching staff. I When I think of this Giants team, I think of those two guys and I think about this coaching staff. Brian Dable has revolutionized the Giants since he went for it on for two against the Titans in week one. He has completely changed how this organization thinks, how they move forward, how they look at games, their perspective on things. And I think that has just brightened up this Giants team. Uh, And we saw it again today where Dable would go for it. He went for it on fourth down uh, around the 15-yard line where you knew he had to get it. Maybe it might have been safer to get the field goal at that time considering that, you know, the Vikings had just kicked a field goal. Eh, You know, just kick it back. Vikings offense was kind of a little slow at the time. No, he knew that was the right thing to do. He trusted in his offense. Even though this play didn't work out, even though we actually ended up not, you know, doing not having a great outcome on this play. Dable trusting his defense and saying, no, we don't want second and 19. We'll take third and nine. We'll give our defense one shot. We believe in them. It'll get us our, you know, the ball back quicker. Of course, it didn't work out, but hey, you don't win 100% of the time. But I'll tell you what, I bet you that gave the defense confidence going later into the game and eventually making that huge fourth down stop to ice the game. So overall, just super proud uh, of the coaching staff, uh, you know, the general player population, of course. Uh, and then Saquon Barkley and Daniel Jones, because I think those two guys uh, are just the leader of this football team, and I just can't wait uh, to keep going. I have, a, I have a Daniel Jones jersey, need to get a Saquon Barkley jersey, because those two guys are going to be the cornerstone of our franchise uh, for at least the next few years. Okay, Alex, I'm going to jump around a little bit. What I want to cover right now is something that I just don't want to forget about later in this episode. So I'm just going to do it now to check it off the board, and that's the injured players. There were two players that got injured in this game for the New York Giants that we can think of off the top of our heads. Jason Pinnock, which was the later one. Aziz Ojolari, which was the earlier one. Aziz Ojolari was a lower body injury. We have an update on him from Ian Rappaport. Now we are recording this during the 8 o'clock game. Um, what is it? Is this a Ravens Bengals game happening right now? Like I don't even know. I think so. Yeah. Yeah, it's a Ravens Bengals game, and we'll then go it's... watch it after recording. But I'll <laughs> focus on the Giants now. <laughs> but anyway, I just wanted to say because I don't know, like when you're listening to this, and this is the news we have right now at 9 p.m. Eastern time on Sunday. Uh, Ian Rappaport he tweeted out that Giants linebacker Aziz Ojulari, who was ruled out with a quad injury going into the second half was need in the thigh. He'll have tests tomorrow to determine if there is additional damage but was walking without much of a limp in the locker room, so that's a good sign. Another, even better sign, honestly. Uh, We had an abdominal injury go to Jason Pinnock on uh, what was, I think, a punt return, uh, as Pinnock mainly plays on special teams. He has come in, though, and played cornerback for the New York Giants when they were really low at the position this season. Pinnock, he went to the hospital for, I guess, tests and to make sure everything's okay. He came back to the locker room from the hospital after this game was over, said he's good. That's just great news to hear as a New York Giants fan. Obviously, anytime now you see a player down, which this should be all the time in the NFL. Obviously, all the time in the NFL when a player goes down, you feel 
immediate like nervousness to make sure they're okay. Uh, but especially the past few weeks after the DeMar Hamlin injury, anytime you see a player down, you see a card having to go out, you see the training staff immediately rush onto the field. It's even like a deeper sense of like, holy crap, like, you know, you really hope this guy's okay. And for him to get carted off and then the announcer's like, he's going to the hospital. Very scary stuff. But he's back and he's doing well. So it's really all smiles right now in this Giants locker room. Even for the guys that are injured, uh, it seems like they are doing well. They'll get back to practice. I mean, we'll have to see what it is with Ojolari and his test tomorrow. But it seems like both of those guys are at least okay physically. Um, and that's a great thing. You talked about Brian Dable, Alex. You talked about Daniel Jones. Let's tie those two together. Brian Dable in his press conference today after the game said, as a leader of our football team, I'm proud of him. Praises his quarterback, Daniel Jones. Um, the first thing he was asked was, how Daniel Jones do today? Brian Dable gave a little, yeah, it was good. No, it was good. Like, um, you know, nothing short of uh, Brian Dable style, I guess, of answering questions. Um, yeah, good as an understatement. I think Daniel Jones played absolutely great today. Uh, at some points, it looked like he carried the team on his back. And I want to say this, because... This Giants team, you're probably looking at them going into this game like, okay, they're going to try and control this game on defense. It's going to be one of those low-scoring New York Giants battles uh, where they're at least trying to hold this Minnesota Vikings team, control Justin Jefferson on offense, or on defense, I should say, uh, control TJ Hawkinson, which I once again could not do, but it's okay. And, um, you know, we came up with the win at the end of things and just kind of score points when they were able to. After that first half, Alex, it really just did not look like that. These giant, This Giants team put up impressive drive after impressive drive. The first drive for the Vikings, 75 yards and 12 plays. It was about a seven-minute drive. Okay, let's see what our team can do. The Giants scored in five plays. They scored in three minutes. Five plays, 75 yards, whoop, it's 7-7. Force the Vikings to punt, a three and out. What did the Giants do? Four plays, 81 yards, two minutes, whoop, down the field. It's 14-7. Vikings, punts again, Giants go down the field, I know they weren't able to cap it off, that was a long-ass drive, it was 10 minutes long, 20 plays, 85 yards, they got points, they got a field goal. This team, in the first half, looked explosive, and they looked ready for this playoff game. There was no playoff jitters, you know, that everyone was talking about, Brian Dable again asked during the week, last week, you have all of these newer guys, these guys, only 11 of your players, or 17 of your players, whatever it is, they haven't played in a playoff game before, are you nervous, are you worried? That's overrated, man. Like, I don't know what you're talking about. And look what happened. Exactly. Uh, a great performance by this New York Giants team. Yeah. And, and another, I think people that, you know, people need to give credit to these positions that were really doubted on the Giants in terms of, oh my God, these guys are really not good enough to compete at a high level. And they've really proven everyone wrong. In particular, I'm going to say the wide receiver position is obviously the most uh, clear one, but I think another group that needs a lot more credit than they're getting is that interior offensive line. They have really turned it up in the past few weeks. Uh, Mark Lewinsky really struggled to begin the season uh, after joining the Giants on that three-year deal. He really has been stepping up, um, and then John Feliciano at center also has gotten a lot better. I was, you know, had that huge block on the Saquon Barkley run. Nick Gates, Ben Bredesen have been really solid as well. Nick Gates obviously coming back from that horrific injury and, you know, playing at this level is amazing. And, and, you know, those two groups are really, you know, as much as Daniel Jones also has improved throughout this season, I think those two groups growing uh, with Daniel Jones has been really important. And then I mentioned the wide receivers. Isaiah Hodgins looks like a legitimate star uh, at wide receiver. It's crazy. Uh, That toe tap 
uh, along the sideline. I'm literally seeing it on Twitter right now on the left-hand side of my screen. Every single time I look at it, I go, oh, wow, that's a Steph Diggs catch, or that's a Justin Jefferson catch, or you know, that's a Devontae Adams catch. But that was Isaiah Hodgins, and he made that catch. Um, you know, Darius Slayton, besides the, the drop at the end, I'm not even going to talk about it at this point. No reason to hang our heads at certain players. Uh, you could tell he was upset about it during the game. Um, you know, but he played exceptionally well besides that one moment. Everyone makes mistakes, guys. You know, it's a playoff game. But, um, you know, he had a whole bunch of really good plays. Richie James got a few critical first downs throughout. Kenny Galladay had a huge block. Like, these, this group is really stepping up, um, even though they may not be the biggest names uh, or maybe don't have the best physical traits. But when it comes to getting open and gaining yards and yards after catch, they're very, very efficient. So shout out to those two groups on offense who I think especially performed well today, but have performed well you know, in the past few weeks. And Alex, you mentioned Kenny Galladay. I mean, Brian Dable, when he was trying to praise this team at large and the group of individuals, he mentioned Kenny Galladay's block. And he even said, he said it out of his own mouth. No one started that comment. He was like, and I mean, you know, a reporter was talking about the game and players and he was like, well, what about even Kenny Galladay? You see that block <laughs> like in the game? And it, and it really does come down to that. Even though Kenny Galladay didn't even get a catch in this game, it didn't matter because got that a few one, snaps, though, for sure. <laughs> he got a few snaps for sure. And he helped this team in his own way by getting a crucial block. And he was in on most running plays as a big wide receiver and whatever. It, it was just Brian Dable kind of collectively showing or showing that it is it is a collective uh, effort among a group of players so. I mean what I would say is I don't care as much as you know off the field you know I I may really dislike Kenny Galladay of considering the price tag we've paid and just maybe some of the lack of effort I may think he has in you know uh, you know in personal opinion or his production not being good enough but when he has a Giants jersey on and is on the field I'm rooting my ass off for him I don't care who he is uh, I don't care who it is. I just want my Giants to win. And if he can help do that, so be it. I don't care if it you know, goes against my own personal agenda or whatever it may be um, because I, I don't think it matters. It's a collective unit. It's a collective team. Everyone has to chip in, uh, and that's how the Giants win. You ready to go through the stat line now? Should go ahead. It? Go ahead. Impressive stat line. Oh, impressive stat line indeed, especially for this man right here, DJ Danny Dimes, 24 for 35 with 301 yards passing, two touchdowns. Only three sacks in this game on Daniel Jones. There would have been many more if this guy did not scramble out of the pocket, so credit to him and his throwaways as well. Alex, how about Daniel Jones, by the way, playing in this wild card game? Again, all the nerds, he's in Minnesota, the whole crowd, that huge play where he scrambles to the right on that third down, and he doesn't force a throw, he doesn't throw it away, stop the clock, he takes a sack. And yeah, in the moment, you're like, shit, he wasn't able to find a receiver or, or Saquon Barkley to throw to as Saquon Barkley was running right with him. But he takes that sack, and he knows exactly what's happening. And he knows that the Minnesota Vikings called that last time out because he took that sack. So yeah, in the moment, Giants fans, you're thinking, damn it, man, he didn't find an open receiver, or he didn't throw it away, and we lost those yards. No. That was Daniel Jones thinking with his head that maybe two years ago he wouldn't have done, and he would have... He would have threw it out of bounds, or he would have chucked up something and said, you know what, someone's down there somewhere, and that gets picked off and returned uh, for a pick six or just a change of possession, and the Vikings get that ball. But no, he took that, uh, you know, the sack, and then turns out 
that the Vikings lose that last timeout, and it really comes up crucial for them in the end of things. They could have really used that uh, timeout on that fourth and eight right at the end. Maybe they didn't like the look, but they couldn't change it up uh, without a timeout. So really key there for Daniel Jones. And also, I have this stat up here. I'm not sure if you have this one, but Daniel Jones, first player all time with 300 yards passing, two touchdowns, and 70 yards rushing rushing? in a playoff game. Hmm. So Danny Dimes making history. Uh, and he was a dime today. Um, (laughs) Crazy good performance from Daniel Jones. So yeah, continuing with the stat line, like Alex mentioned, he had over 70 yards rushing. It was 78 yards to be exact on 17 carries. Saquon Barkley rushing the ball, nine carries, 53 yards. Two touchdowns as well for Barkley. How about that extra effort, man? Pushing in for the touchdown. Saquon, I mean, no, he did not have over a 100-yard game rushing, but that early touchdown, he looked like he was scary on that football field he was ready for playoff football if it was anyone it was Saquon we knew who we wanted going into the playoffs and he didn't shy away about it at all Saquon Barkley telling the media I wanted Minnesota I want Minnesota earlier in the week when the Giants uh, you know uh, lost that game against the Eagles and we found out that they were playing Minnesota you know later that he, he kept on saying it. This is who I want to play. I want our revenge. And the Giants and Saquon Barkley, they went at it, and they took it in a big way. Matt Breida as well, only three carries for eight yards. That's not what I'm trying to point out. Matt Breida just even involved on some plays today. Mike Huge uh, carry, too, where he had he was getting tackled for a loss of three. It was a third and one, and he somehow, or I believe it was actually a fourth and one, he somehow uh, you know broke a three. tackle. Three different parts, yeah. like pieces of effort by Matt Breida weaving around players to make that first down happen. Big play, underrated play. And yeah, so Mike Kafka with the movement and his offensive schemes, Matt Breida might have not you know, gotten the stat line, but he was out there, whether it was in the backfield on multiple running back sets where Saquon Barkley was on the right and he was on the left or he was on the outside. Uh, he definitely got his snap counts in today, was out there a majority of the, of the plays for this team. So even though... Um, again, he might not have gotten the you know as many carries as he wanted your backup running back to get. He still definitely made an impact on the field today, especially in what Alex alluded to with that first down conversion after one guy misses a tackle, then he fights through a second one and even a third one uh, to fight and get that first down. Isaiah Hodgins, man. I mean, what else could you say? Didn't even start the season on this, uh, start the year with this team, the season with this team. Signed mid-year. Just had some connections with Brian Dable on the coaching staff who were, you know, connections with the Buffalo Bills. Knew Joe Shane maybe there, but especially Dable. That's how they signed him. Starts on the—did he even start on the practice? I feel like he started on the practice squad, got elevated, uh, and turns out— I think he was signed right away because he was on the practice squad. We signed him, okay. I believe, yeah. If so, but maybe, uh, he was on the practice— I don't know, I may be wrong. He was on the practice squad at one point. It's just my yeah. point that—just my, you know, my reasoning is what I'm going at. And ends up coming into today— as the leading receiver for this team, eight catches, 105 yards, and a touchdown. Isaiah Hodgins in his first playoff game gets his first playoff touchdown, and a great story there. So super, super uh, amazing stuff for him. Darius Slayton, four catches for 88 yards, continues to show his veteran presence on this Giants team. The drop is the drop. We know Darius Slayton, the player, comes with drops. We've seen it in previous seasons. Luckily, it did not come back to bite the Giants in the butt as Wink Martindale's defense is able to seal the deal uh, and more like Kirk Cousins' checkdowns are able to seal the deal as well. Uh, you know, if, if Kirk Cousins wants to throw checkdowns on a long fourth down at TJ Hawkinson, feel free to do so. We will appreciate and take those all the time. 
Um, we do, in fact, like that, Kirk Cousins, by the way, as well. Anyway, enough Kirk Cousins digs at this point. <laughs> Saquon Barkley, five catches, 56 yards. Richie James, four catches, 31 yards. Daniel Bellinger, two catches, 17 yards. And one more guy, Lawrence Cager, one catch, four yards. And I'm not going to lie, I think Lawrence Cager and his snap count today really all came from the Philadelphia Eagles game last week. I think if Lawrence Cager, first of all, didn't play in that game against the Eagles last week and didn't have the performance that he had in that Eagles game, I think he would have got no snaps on the field today. But because of the effort he put in and how much effort he put in last week, instead of just slacking off and being like, yeah, whatever, this is the backup game. We're not trying. We're not caring. No, he cared. And I think he knew that if he showed up, he would have been playing some snaps in this game. And that's exactly what happened. So Credit to Lawrence Cager, who I think really earned himself some snaps in this game, all because of what happened last week. And that is your Giants receiving stat line. Yeah, you know, we didn't see much of Daniel Bellinger involved today, um, but we did see a little bit of Lawrence Cager. But it We was did mostly... see a Daniel Bellinger touchdown, though, which I might have missed. So I just... That is also true, yes. <laughs> I, I, I don't know why I blanked. He had one catch, and of course it was the touchdown, I forget. Two catches, You're... 17 yards, one touchdown. Thank you. Um, but yeah, it felt like he wasn't as involved as usual. Um, at least to my opinion, clearly, because I totally forgot he got a touchdown. Um, and, you know, I felt like the offense really went through Daniel Jones's legs uh, and then the receivers and Saquon Barkley, um, which, you know, I think is kind of to be imagined considering the tight end room that we have. But, uh, you know, still something, I guess, to note um, on the offensive side of the ball. Josh, I guess, do you want to talk about the defense here? Uh, obviously, the defense, uh, yeah, you know, I really mean, can- struggled to begin, uh, but then, you know, showed up at the end, as you mentioned. The only, the final thing I wanted to just say about this offense was, again, the the Giants just didn't look like the the, the normal Giants we see themselves. They were this high-powering, explosive plays offense. 31 points? What is this? You don't see deep looks by this team. And no, there weren't the one-on-ones, you know, let's see what happens, chuck it up, and hopefully we get a 50-yard gain. No, but it was some cross slants or just some crossing routes in general. You know, Daniel Jones throws it to Darius Slayton. We get a 15, 20, 25, 30-yard gain. You had the same thing with Isaiah Hodgins doing the same thing. It, were, it was these creative routes mixed with breaking this zone, right, getting into open areas, and Daniel Jones finding these guys. I've Alex, I've never seen the Giants do anything like this this season at all. We've been a rushing high-power offense for a bit with Saquon Barkley when we, were, when we lost um, Sterling Shepard. And Kenny Galladay turned out to suck, which we knew that already, kind of. But when Sterling Shepard got injured for the season, when Wando Robinson got injured for the season, and Kenny Galladay was not good, you know, we were kind of at a at a crisis of what the heck do we do? All right, let's just run the ball with Saquon Barkley. So we became a high-powering rushing offense. Then we got some wide receivers in here that were pretty good, and we're like, okay, let's mix it a little bit. And that's, I feel like, what we were going into this game. And now I completely flipped the script, and it's like Saquon Barkley is like the second option it's Daniel Jones snapping the ball in shotgun, looking for a receiver to get open. And then our secondary play is looking at Saquon Barkley in the uh, rushing game. It's really different how the script is flipped, or at least in my head, that's how it looks right now. But it's just amazing how many explosive plays that this team had today. It was absolutely wonderful, amazing, great to see. Okay, defense time. Who do you want to start with? Do you want to go line and we move back? Or I have a player I want to mention because I know I'm going to forget him, like you said before. Uh, Cordell Flott, he came in for one play, but he made a huge play, a big pass breakup uh, on third down. And this is what I'm going to say. 
This is before we talk all offseason about who's going to be the great player that's going to have the biggest improvement. In it's going to be Cordell Flott, I'm telling you. A full uh, offseason in an NFL you know, weight room, NFL gym, where he's going to be able to full, you know, hopefully bulk up. He already has the skills. He has the instincts. If he can get some more size, he has good length. He's just a little bit too thin. Um, but if he could bulk up, man, I think he could be a really good corner in the NFL. Um, for now, I think it's possible he could play in the slot at his current uh, weight. But if he could bulk up a little bit, I think he could be a really good corner on the outside. Um, but he had a really, really important play there um, on the defensive side of the ball. And then the one more thing I'll mention before I you know, hand it over to you is the inside linebacker position. I texted this to Josh during the game. I said, if we lose this game, uh, and the reason our defense is struggling and why we could lose this game is because at the inside linebacker position, we do not have someone, we do not have people who can cover in pass in, in, when they're throwing, and we can't, and we don't have people who can, you know, stop the run. We don't have people who can do both of those things. You know, Jalen Smith is great when he can stuff the run. Landon Collins is pretty good too when he can stuff the run. Both of those guys in coverage. Not as good. Um, and then you have guys like Tony Jefferson uh, coming in in these different packages uh, or Dane Belton, for example, coming in in these different packages uh, at linebacker. And then that creates mismatches, uh, you know, if they end up do if they do end up running the ball. You know, the Vikings aren't necessarily a run heavy team, but say next week when we play the Eagles, this isn't a preview or anything, but they're a much more run heavy team. So I think that's going to be a big thing. Uh, and that's the main glaring issue on this Giants team. Even though the receiver room could be improved, I think it's it's the inside linebacker position that's the biggest need right now because the Giants are just so thin at that position and they just don't have guys who can do it all. They have guys who are good at certain things and then really, really bad at other things. Uh, and I think that's the main problem. You see this inside linebacker position. You see them sprinting on and off the field every other play. It's ridiculous um, because we just don't have the right pieces at that position. Um, and I think that's something that's going to be need to and needed to improve in the offseason. And I'm going to be interested to see how Brian Dable uh, and, you know, Wink Martindale, obviously the defensive coordinator, look to kind of hide that glaring hole uh, in the Giants defense when, you know, going up against the Eagles and other opponents, hopefully, if they continue through, through. because if you go against a team who really runs up the gut uh, and then does a lot of crossers and really exposes, you know, zone coverage and stuff like that, I think this could be a really, really big issue. We saw it you know, today with TJ Hawkinson just literally running wild uh, around the Giants linebackers. Uh, you know, I think that's going to be a key thing uh, for Wink uh, and the staff and going forward um, for you know, Joe Shane to look at, whether it be in free agency or the draft. Alex, so you were going right for it there. Uh, you, you never finished that text conversation, so I can do it for all of our listeners and viewers. So that text conversation was the Giants really need an interior linebacker. Which I to I respond. Um, all right, Alex, there you go. You got it right now. Start doing your NFL draft research, and then uh, Alex responds, "No, no, no, not yet. It's our way." And that's exactly, <laughs> and that's exactly, and that's exactly it how was it goes. Our way, man. It, it is. It was our way, and it still is our way. So, Alex, I exempt you from doing any <laughs> NFL draft research till at least next week. Okay. Ne past I'm next not Sunday, doing, not even thinking about the draft till then. Past next Sunday, we'll have to wait and see. But for right now, you still get a week off from starting that draft research, draft research, and looking into those interior linebackers. You're welcome. I just saved you. Uh, Thank God, I got a busy week at school. 
<laughs> uh, don't we all? Uh, yeah, midterms can wait, okay, teachers? But anyway, uh, Xavier McKinney, total of eight tackles today. I do want to say, though, I just mentioned those one-on-ones, throw it up. That was one of them right there. Xavier McKinney saved the Giants a touchdown today. Played back on a deep route by Justin Jefferson, the best wide receiver in the NFL. That is non-debatable. Can't debate it. He has the most catches in the NFL, the most yards in the NFL this season. I could debate it, but, you know. Who is the number one receiver in the NFL? (laughs) Stephon Diggs? I personally think Stephon Diggs is the best receiver That's in the lie. NFL. That's a lie. It's wrong. Just th- but that it, off of eye test, personally. P- personally. It, it doesn't matter because <laughs> it's wrong. So uh, it's not debatable, I, no matter what Alex says, because there's no debate there. Um, he's just wrong. Uh, but um, anyway, Xavier McKinney with a great pass deflection. And by the way, almost a pick. It, it Literally, that if you remember that play, Alex, Justin Jefferson turned into a cornerback himself and was trying to restrict Xavier McKinney from picking the ball. He was, uh, Justin Jefferson was putting his hand out and sticking his hand down and trying to stop Xavier McKinney from reading the ball because at first, when that route broke, when the ball was originally thrown, Xavier McKinney read it completely and was looking up ready to pick it. And then you have Justin Jefferson coming over and kind of swatting away at it. Xavier McKinney doesn't end up coming with a pick, but a great pass deflection to stop Justin Jefferson from getting a touchdown. I also would like to highlight, highlight, oh, my words are slipping, highlight Darnay Holmes, who had two tackles for loss in today's game, and then two other people. I like to highlight, and for penalties, I like to first highlight Kayvon Thibodeau, the Giants. Poor guy, man. <laughs> rookie edge rusher. Kayvon Thibodeau today applied pressure after pressure after pressure, and all he got rewarded for it was a step on the finger. So that's not okay. <laughs> Man's had more gritties than uh, than oh. holding calls. It was crazy, man. So unfair. <laughs> so uh, basically, Kayvon Thibodeau got held, I would say, every two to three plays repeatedly and no calls by the rest. Even on that, uh, was it that Vikings touchdown? One of the Vikings touchdowns he was held, right? And then Gene Steratore yeah. on the Fox Christian broadcast. Christian Derisaw is a magician. I don't know right. how he gets away with it, man. Can, so, yeah, kudos to him, I guess. So even on the Fox broadcast, they they said that um that uh it, it was a a call that the Giants missed or the the refs missed, and that's okay because I I told my my dad who I was watching it with obviously my parents and I was like you know it's all right because we had our we had our uh, lucky break they had their lucky break because Evan Neal jumped on the Isaiah Hodgins touchdown to be fair Thomas I think yeah just one for it no reason Thomas? I had to correct it. I yeah. thought it was Evan Neal really it was Thomas? yeah it was Thomas yeah okay um. A giant jumped, uh, which went on the on the Isaiah Hodgins touchdown. So, kind of evens it out. But Leonard Williams, Leonard Williams, what am I doing? Kayvon Thibodeau was held a lot in this game. So, uh, something to note there. So but was yeah. Williams, to be fair. All those guys were getting held. <laughs> <laughs> but if you look at uh, Kayvon Thibodeau, he had one tackle. He starts doing the gritty. Eh, okay. He then, when the Giants won, that's when he do it. But he did the gritty on the Viking. On the Vikings logo at midfield, which was pretty crazy. That's a big risk you're taking there. I, Luckily, I didn't even see that. It was, I that, saw that it. So crazy. It, was, it was when they panned to the Giants that they were when they were walking off. It was a quick three second pan on the Fox broadcast, and you see Kayvon with the gritty on the midfield logo. Uh, it's a big one. You got to be careful when you do that sort of stuff, but it's okay. And then I don't know if you saw Nick Gates was shushing the crowd on the sideline. Well, you when saw they were doing, why he did that, right? Because he was saying, yeah, because they he uh, well. After they played them in week 16, uh, he was saying, I thought it would be louder. Uh, and then yeah. they 
put that on the screen during the yeah, game for motivation. Board, yeah. That quote to to check the decibel count. But but what's even funnier too is that when they were doing the skull chant earlier, in, like in the fourth quarter, yeah, Gates I saw that was hyping them up, like putting his hands in the air, like get louder, get louder. I want to hear it, guys. So Nick Gates, a pro chirper, he is the highest of the high. If we we're gonna Hall rank of fame troll, <laughs> if we're gonna rank trolls in the NFL, he is up there, and he will go after you no matter who. And, you know, what? no matter who the quarterback is, that's at the position, if you remember, Davis Webb, the Eagles game, confronted, whatever. They don't need to talk about it. But, um, yeah, funny there. And then the other one, Dexter Lawrence. What is a good sack in the NFL? Or, like, what is roughing the passer anymore? Because I really don't know. I mean, oh, no, he didn't. T- and I tweeted this out on the Giant Take account. I wanted a little bit more interaction. I thought it was a funny tweet. I said. Wasn't I said, funny enough, clearly. <laughs> did you, do you even know what I'm talking about? Is it? I think so. The one with the pillow it. and the blanket. Yes. Yeah. I was like, I was like, completely Dexter Lawrence fault. I mean, he didn't get the pillow or the blanket ready for Kirk Cousins. Like, what is he supposed to do? Is he literally supposed to take a mattress, put that on the field, take a pillow, put that down first, and then tuck him in with the blankets tucked under him? I don't understand what they want these guys to do. It's the NFL. It's hard hitting. If you don't want to get hit, don't play in the NFL. It was not even that hard of a tackle. It wasn't all, you know, and I. It was particularly it, bad because he had Kirk Cousins like wrapped up, right? And then Kirk Cousins threw it out. But how is Dexter Lawrence possibly supposed to know when he's dragging him down from the feet that Kirk Cousins released the ball? Like, what do you think? He can see out of the back of his head? Like, come on. Like, it's just ridiculous refereeing. Ridiculous. The one of, like, I mean, I've seen terrible uh, roughing the passer calls. Don't get me wrong. But this was a top three. And I've never seen one this bad in the playoffs. Uh, it was awful. But shout out to Dexter Lawrence. Had a big game again today, even against a pretty good starting center uh, in Garrett Bradbury. Um, but I thought he had a really good game again. And shout out to him because he's he's a force uh, on the inside. Unfortunately, we didn't get to see much of Aziz Ojolari uh, in that whole front four together because Ojolari went out pretty early in the game. But um, it was still good to see. Uh, those guys all, you know, kind of combining with each other to get some pressure on Kirk Cousins. They didn't get as much pressure on Kirk Cousins as I wanted them to. I thought in general for the first three quarters of the game, uh, the defense really didn't play super hot. Um, and I thought they were relatively disappointing. But, uh, you know, as we got later into the game, I thought, you know, a few of those key guys really stepped up that we mentioned. So uh, I was really happy with the performance. Um, and overall, you know, I guess we could talk about special teams too. Uh, they did almost get that... Uh, um, that muff punt that Jalen Rager. I felt like Jalen Rager was about to bless us again, um, but he didn't, unfortunately, and they were able to recover the ball. But had to give some shout-out to special teams there. They almost got a key play for the Giants. So uh, Jamie Gillen had a pretty good night, and then Graham Gano had one field goal. And one other key thing for Graham Gano, he kept kicking it out of the end zone uh, because they have a really good returner. I believe his name's in Wangwu. I have his... The only reason I know that is I have his, like... I have like a signed card of his for some reason that I got from someone. Don't know why. Um, but anyway, it's, um, you know, I thought that was, you know, a good tactic, I guess, from our special teams there. So there you go. Got to give some love to the special teams. The one negative I want to cover, and it's only one. I think it ne- it's apparent and it needs to be talked about. Giants were not able to cover tight ends today at all. TJ Hawkinson once again uh, once again, destroys destroys the team with 10 catches, 129 yards. 
You also had Johnny Munt get a very big first down. And that was it for him in this game. So the backup tight ends even working uh, against the Giants. But TJ Hawkinson once again destroys the team. Now I was trying to think the tight end in Philly. Now again, this isn't a preview, but just kind of looking towards the future. If we're talking about the Giants and covering tight ends here. Is the tight end in Philadelphia still... Um, oh my gosh, I'm blanking on his What name. is preview episode? Yeah, I'm sorry. It's is Dallas Goddard. It, but I don't Goddard? think he's anywhere... I don't think he's anywhere near as near the, explosive as that's TJ Hawkinson is. I think so, TJ Hawkinson is extreme. I think he's probably top three. Definitely top five uh, in the NFL. I think you look Kelsey, Kittle, um, Waller, maybe. Um, hasn't been great this season, but Hawkinson's up there. So anyway, that's all I wanted to say was that the one thing is the Giants didn't do was cover tight ends, and that was a problem. Uh, we knew that was going to come. I think they were so worried about covering Justin Jefferson that TJ Hawkinson might not have even come up in their minds, or maybe it was just too much to do both. They were able to, to limit. I would say the Giants did a really good job limiting Justin Jefferson as much as they could have today. I think they did a great job with that, actually. Dory the Jackson. problem is they have so many weapons that yeah. it's hard to cover, right? You got Adam Thielen, you got Hawkinson, you got Jefferson, exactly. you got KJ Osborne. Don't forget about him. Uh, you know, Dalvin Cook and Alexander Madison out of the backfield. You know, that's a really, really good offense. Yes, they don't have the best offensive line. They certainly don't have the best quarterback, but they've got, you know, a hell of a group uh, you, you of, know of weapons. You know what's crazy about that? You just went through that whole list. Mm-hmm. We just played them in a wild card game and we just won. <laughs> We just beat those guys. Like, the we just, yeah. you just went through that whole thing. I'll go through the list now. Okay. Daniel Jones, Saquon Barkley. Look at the, those two names a year ago. You might get different interpretations of what they mean. <laughs> Darius Slayton, Isaiah Hodgins, Richie James, Daniel Bellinger, I guess I say there, Matt Breida. I, th- those guys, yeah? Yeah. Two, those, two running backs, a tight end, and three receivers. Yeah, that was like the formula I was going Those, with. those yeah. guys, uh, they, they just beat the Minnesota Vikings. That whole high-power, explosive offense he just talked about, they just lost to the New York f- freaking football Giants, baby. Let's go, man. Let's go. Go Giants. We're going to be playing a divisional game. I don't even care that it's in Philly. Who cares that it's in Philly? We played in Philly so many times. We already played in there this season. I'm just happy we made it this far. I'm happy we made it to the playoffs. When we made it to the playoffs, I was happy we made it to the playoffs. Now we're going to the divisional round. I'm just happy we're going to the, to the divisional round. The Giants can take this however far they want to take this. I will end happy no matter what. I'm going to give you a sneak preview into my thoughts for next game. Because I'm, I'm like Brian Dable. I'm already looking forward. I'm already watching the film. I'm actually watching Eagles film from a few weeks ago right now. All right? I'm, I'm already on it. But I think... After a bye week, teams are always sluggish coming out. If the Giants could get off to a quick start, get a couple of touchdowns early like they did in this game, I think they could shock the Eagles. But um, that's a big if. And I think that's going to be the key that Brian Dable is going to be really, you know, punching in, cementing into these players' brains is, hey, these guys have been sitting on the couch. Uh, They were sitting on the couch last weekend. They're not as revved up and ready to go as we are. Yes, they may be. Uh, they may have more rest, but we will have more energy in that first half. And if we can get a lead that we can hold on to, uh, you know, that could be a positive sign for the Giants. So that's just something to think about uh, while you wait for our preview. There you go. I gave you a little cliffhanger. A beautiful cliffhanger indeed. And uh, I just want to say one more time before we start getting to our plugs here is that the New York Giants, once again, they took revenge on this Minnesota Vikings team. They had... They had a different result than what happened. Yeah, they lost in Week 16, I think it was, 
a Greg Joseph 60-plus yard field goal. It sucks, man. But they play them in the wild card. They don't leave anything, anything less than they needed to out there. They left just enough out there to get that victory today in Minnesota. Great. It's wonderful. Nothing else to say. Plugs. You can follow us. Uh, well, thank you for listening. First of all, you can drop a like and subscribe on YouTube. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, all those platforms, subscribe there. Uh, social media platforms, the Giant Take Pod on Twitter and TikTok. Facebook and Instagram, the Giant Take Podcast. I was all over those platforms today uh, throughout the game and before the game, posting some memes even before the game. Uh, I will continue with that throughout the week and next week's game against the Eagles, I'm sure. Also, uh, what you can do to help support us, go to shipitstudios.com slash giant take. Uh, on there is a bunch of places to listen. Alex on Twitter at Norian23. I'm on Twitter at JoshDolo29. It's all out, uh, you know, everything else that I was talking about in the podcast notes or the description of this YouTube video. Alex, close us out. Hopefully we get a nice video of Dable dancing in the locker room later tonight. Um, and we'll see you later this week. Looking forward to our divisional round matchup in the NFL playoffs against the Philadelphia Eagles. Go Giants. Welcome to the All 80s Movies Podcast. I'm Bill. And I'm Jason. And this is the podcast where we talk about the blockbusters, the flops, and everything in between from one of the freshest decades for movies, the 1980s. So whether you're a brain, a jock, a valley girl, or a Jedi, we've got some 80s classics for you. Do these movies stand the test of time? Are we discovering something new? Is there an 80s movie we're finally watching for the first time? Join us each week as we dive into the cinematic nostalgia that inspired and influenced a generation. From the hits to the cult classics, we'll discuss our earliest memories, favorite scenes, fun facts, and our not-so-favorite movie moments, too. It's the All 80s Movies Podcast, now available on all major streaming platforms. Please subscribe and happy listening.